millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sunderland won 2-1 yesterday against Bristol Rovers at a very cold and miserable stadium of light. It was horrible rain, ice rain. I've never seen anything like it. It was like shards of glass falling, hitting you on the face. Um, but before we talk about that with uh, Simon O'Rourke, 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 O'Rourke. It's O'Rourke. I know it is, but... It's the third time I've been on I know. and you haven't got that right yet. <laughs> no, I got it right first time. Simon O'Rourke, O'Rourke. <laughs> I just call you O'Rourke for the, for the banter. And we've got Christopher Cam also here. Hello, hello. For Chris, for like I'm being told off. Christoph. Call us Christopher. Oh, Christoph, you've used my yeah. email. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we get going, uh, we've got to do a quick little bit of business. So the Foundation of Light, as you know, is a sponsor of the Rogue Report podcast. And we are very proud to sponsor the community, well, I suppose it's community charity, isn't it? Um, it's got Fireside Courts. It's got Cafe in there. It's got a barn on the top where you can play football as well. I think that's a nine aside. But we've teamed up to give you £10 off your first five-a-side pitch booking, which works out at just £3 per player. If you want to take advantage of that, call 0191-563-4818 and quote the code Roker Report. And while I've also got you here doing business, the Lake Poets are coming on the podcast. And as we know, they are running towards being, I don't know, number one at Christmas. Is that is that the aim? <laughs> Just yeah. get them as high up as we can, isn't it? Basically, yeah, we've got them coming on the podcast and we think it would be nice if you bought their song Shipyards, which is featured on Sunderland Till I Die. And probably the best bit of the series is actually the initial intro and that's nothing against the series. I just love what they've done. It's good, isn't it? I like the song as well. Yeah, it's a good song. I love the Lake Poets. Great guy. Well, yeah, buy it. I think it's 79 pence, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, it's not much. Done that. Oh, I've also got to do some podcast shout-outs because I promised anybody who guessed the score correctly yesterday on Twitter <laughs> would get a shout-out. There were a lot of five and six nils predicted. <laughs> a lot of very confident people yesterday. Uh, but well done to... How many was there? There was one, two, three, four. There was five. So Jamie McNally, Patrick McCann, Lou SCFC, Harry Cook and Sam 05 SCFC. So you take my admiration for 2-1. Add 2-0. Disappointing. Such is life. So to the game. Sunderland lined up. McLaughlin, Oviedo, but James was meant to stop. He got injured in the warm-up. Baldwin Leuvens, Leuvens coming in for Flanagan, uh, the Welsh Cafu at right back, and Cats Power, Gooch Honeyman, McGeady, Madge, and Bristol Rovers took the lead on 10 minutes through Rodman, it was terrible defending, but we'll talk about that later, um, equalised through Adam Matthews as he headed in a McGeady rebound from close range just in half time, and half time came too early, because we would have scored pretty much 
soon after if that had continued the way it was. Second half, we were dominant, but we really lacked a cutting edge. But McGeady had that one bit of quality, played a Madger, who did that lovely bit of skill, as he always seems to do in the box. Takes his chance. I've wrote brilliantly, but it was bad keeping, wasn't it? But 2-1, and then we hit the bar and the post and one move through power of Maguire. Then Bristol was nearly got an equaliser and added time as they hit the par. So first place to start, Simon, who was your man of the match? Um, I think it was one of those days probably because of the conditions. I don't think anyone massively stood out. McGeady for the little flashes of skill. I also thought that the gentleman who uh, normally gets six out of ten in your reviews, Mr Honeyman, had a very good solid game yesterday Seven, as well. Very good. I thought. I thought. I thought it was a good captain's performance yesterday. He he did the bits and pieces that were necessary on a grubby, nasty sort of day. Do you think he's been he's been getting better recently, hasn't he? I think over the last six weeks he's getting. No, he's confident now. Yeah, isn't he? he seems to be growing. Yeah, he's got a bit of a strut about him just at the minute, which is nice to see. He good. tries things as well. Every time he got the ball, he would turn and touch and go forwards and just e- immediately put their back four on the back foot. And it didn't always come off. And he did sometimes lose the ball, but I don't mind it if you're trying it. So it was good. good and I have enjoyed how good he is tackling at the minute. His tackling's been oh, phenomenal. Like slide tackles and all sorts. And the amount of times he rode challenges yesterday and, and came out with the ball, I'm like, you know what, Honeyman? You deserve a seven. <laughs> That boy is I mean, it, yeah. it, it's kind of like a Christmas present for him, isn't it? It's it, it's really nice at this yeah, time of year so. that you you'll go above the six. I think we should get know? him like a little a little like glass trophy with like a nine written on it. Really. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, like, oh, we made your trophy, but they built it yeah. upside and down. And then he can turn. That's yeah. what I'm saying. He can turn it upside down when he has a normal six. But now Honeyman was great. I actually thought McGeady probably man the match just simply because he created the first goal, and then the pass for Madge. I mean, the guy who sits behind me, he was like, what are you doing not passing it to Oviedo? And then obviously he plays at Magic. And Magic went and bangs it in. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought McGeady probably deserved man of the match. He's a permanent mismatch. When he when he's on his game yeah. in League One, he is a permanent mismatch against whichever fullback he's up against. It must be an absolute nightmare. Premier League and Championship fullbacks might be good enough to cope with him. In League One, they're just not. And it must be an absolute, it must do their heads in. Because it's not a question of, is he going to beat you? It's which side he's going to beat you. Yeah, how is he going to do it? And there are many players at this level both footed as him. Because he he's literally both. He, well, he doesn't know what he is. Josh Madger. He's about as both footed. He shoots with both feet just as well as he does the other one. Yeah. I think that's one of my most my favourite things about him. And we've got another one on loan and Embleton who's got both feet as well. We're, we're pretty spoiled. Maguire, he's two goals in the month with different feet. I just, oh, we're just such a technically good football team for the level, right? <laughs> it's great. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is a fantastic ambidextrous update. Yeah, it is. Uh, I know. Ambidextrous. Yeah, yeah. Any more, Chris? Any more players? Um, uh, Adam Matthews is fairly ambidextrous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to throw him some of as well. He was my man of the match. I just think he's playing that? Matthews. Matthews. I think he's just playing with so much confidence. You could see after he scored his goal, he was like flicking it over his head on the, in in his uh, own like edge of his own area. He's passing the ball brilliantly. Like two assists to the outside of his boot this season. Love that. Good. It was good to see him score. He he, he kind of. That's not what fullbacks are there for, really, is it? But he's no. deserved a goal. He's, well, you he's see, been, yeah. He has been very good. He was sort season. of. I, I think he was a part of the build-up, but then ball went over to the other side, and he just pushed their fullback back and their winger back. And I think eventually their winger left him, so he just he just went in the box. He just followed the ball in. Like I love the fact that he's he's somehow just got so much pace now. I can't remember him being that pace. <laughs> Uh, what mind the the one thing wasn't it him that got caught fannying on when they nearly scored at the end? And that was a little yeah, bit was. of his confidence being there. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's not actually that good. <laughs> That's why he's in League One. Go <laughs> take the rough uh-huh. with the smooth. Um, so we are talking about Matthews, but we may as well talk about the back four now. So 
two changes. Flanagan out, uh, obviously. Yeah, so Reese James, James injured in the warm up. It's like Reese Oxford, like, no, we're not him. <laughs> no, Reese James, yeah, injured in the warm up. But did we look as sturdy yesterday? I think first 15 minutes, we definitely didn't. No, I didn't think they did all the way through, to be honest. I mean, there was that awful sitter that Bristol oh, Rovers God. missed in the first five minutes from the free kick where that was just absolutely down to miscommunication. Now, yeah. they're only human. The, the whole last-minute replacement thing probably would have thrown them a bit. Leuven's obviously being in after a long time when they've had a settle-back four-back five yeah. is, is, did make a difference. But you always felt that there was a mistake in them yesterday right from the first minute to the 95th minute when because that would have been an awful equaliser to, con- to concede at the end. But when we sort of look in, in sort of the big picture of yesterday... Just getting the win was was the thing. But no, in answer to your question, I don't think they looked as sturdy at all. I think there's a couple of sort of qualifiers for that performance. You've got to think the weather was genuinely yeah. an, an effect on the game. I think both sides struggled with it. And then you've got to say, like, when Flanagan and Baldwin played their first three or four games together, they looked shaky. Their communication wasn't great. It's just, I think it's, it's a simple mixture of the weather. Leuven's just coming back and the fact that Baldwin and Leuven's haven't played together in ages. So you've just got to build it all up from scratch again, really. I found it interesting that when we played midweek that he didn't think about maybe giving Leuven's an Ozturk because I think if Leuven's or Ozturk depending on which one he went with obviously he went with Leuven's but if you gave them a bit of game time like in the checker trade games you know in the FA Cup games then he might not have looked as rusty he's thrown him in today when he hadn't really played I think he played that game at Morgan and that was really it I just felt maybe that lack of rotation could have come to bite them in the rear um, yeah, I think Jack Ross, who I'm very impressed with, has done most things right. Uh, and I think he, he affects games well. His substitutions are interesting and that sort of thing. It, it, one thing I would slightly quibble with was the Walsall game. I, I think he he might have gone a bit more checker trade with his team selection on that. Maybe changed a few more people. They did look tired. It was flat. I know we're not talking about that game, but but that's one thing. I, I would have maybe changed three or four more for that for that game. Yeah, you didn't know if you wanted to win it or not. It's like your team selection says you do, but your players' yeah, yeah, attitudes doesn't I think at all. Kind of. In the game with all nine yeah. at right back and number on the right yeah. wing, like it's uh-huh. too. I hate people who. Well, I don't hate hate strong word. I don't like it when managers play people out of position. I just think you're, you're asking like when you played Mumba at right back for the checker trade game. It's like he's young. He's getting in the team. Why would you play him out of position? Well, that kind of is his position a lot of the time. Mumba, Mumba has played out, out there a lot. No, but you had him at right back for the checker trade against... Sort of right wing back, wasn't it, where right he had that yeah, entire just, right hand side? I just think sometimes just play him in the position that they're most comfortable in when they're young. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I thought the same with 9 Like, 9 on the fringes of the team, he played it right back against Walsall. Didn't look great because he's played it right back. And you're like, well, now he's... Back down the pecking order, he didn't even get on yesterday. It's tough for Mumba though, because where do you give him game time? Because he's not—he's physically not big enough to play in centre midfield in League One. As good as he is technically, you want to develop his body first before you can really trust him to go into challenges, win 50-50s. Like I, I, he looks like when he's on the ball, that if a like a fully grown man came up and tried to take the ball off him, it would be dead easy for them. The reason he gets away with it is because he's so technically good and he's fast with his feet, he can turn and avoid trouble. But I don't know, maybe he could do with strength, I potential think. loan spell out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think at his age, 17, like, you can't expect too much. No. Even if you put exactly. He's <laughs> not, uh, not worried about his performance right now. No. So, so midfield balance yesterday, the Bristol Rovers game. What did you think of the midfield balance? Uh, you talking about central midfield? Yeah. I thought Catamore looked really rusty. I'm glad he got the 90 minutes in the one. I'm glad it didn't cost anything, but I thought he just his passing was a bit off he looked slow he looked quite sluggish and I think 
I sometimes wonder if him and Max Power could actually play together. I find Max Power was very quiet as a result of Catamore being alongside him. And neither of them were also doing what they actually do quite a lot and pick the ball up at the centre-backs. They weren't going back to pick the ball up the centre-backs as much as what McGeoch does. And mm-hmm. I sometimes think if you play McGeoch with them, he does a lot of the, the quiet stuff. Yeah. And it helps them express themselves a little bit more. And I just wonder, obviously, a Catamore's fitness is going to come into it, but I just wonder if they're made to play together. Well, I, I, I agree. That was why I raised the point, really. I didn't think it worked particularly well yesterday. But again, as we've touched on, I think you've got to put the qualifiers in from yesterday. He was just coming back after a longer than expected layoff. It was a horrible day as well. Uh, and it, it that made it a pretty horrible game as well. So it, perhaps it's, it's not fair to judge it. But it did strike me that they... They're sort of occupied. They want to occupy the same space. They want to do the same things. And whether it's quite the balance, I'm not sure. You see, power sort of deviated a Catamol, like Catamol take up control in times where power's got this amazing ability to pick up the ball and fire a 30, 40 yard pass like a bullet into someone's feet at a moment's notice. But then he's not doing that. He's giving it up for Catamol. And it's like, do you lose a dynamic of the team? Like perhaps yeah. Catamol or power can drop and then. Honeyman can come a bit deeper and Maguire can go higher up the pitch if you want to do a tie. I, I, I don't enjoyed know. the power Honeyman partnership. I think Honeyman in that yeah. central midfield, not in behind the striker, in central midfield actually, I think that's possibly his best position at this level. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that's fair or not. And I don't know if that's me just because I love Honeyman so much. But but also this and things we might go on to discuss file under the heading of nice problems to have. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, which is the good thing, obviously, about Sunderland's season at the minute. And he also had no other option yesterday because McGeoch was... I don't, I don't even think he was on the bench initially, was he? Uh, well, he, he he was the one who came onto the bench yeah. as a result of Reese James so going. He, he was never going to play, he was, was he? Yeah, not fit. So, I mean, he didn't actually have any other option other than playing Mumba or Nine, and he wasn't going to do that. So, mm-hmm. I think yesterday he was kind of... I don't know if he would have played Catamore the full game if he had a full complement of midfield. It sounds really simple, but if the weather was better... Do you think he might have played like 09 or Mumba with somebody with a little less experience? I don't know. The weather was horrible though. Exactly. It's it's annoying because it sort of removes any comment you can have on the game, isn't it? Cause yeah. it's like But but I think it actually is. It is the whole, oh, footballers boo-hoo, it's raining, get out, you get paid, go and play football. It was a beast of a day. Yeah. It was it wasn't awful. Rain. It was more than and rain. It was freezing. And you think I had like four layers on in the press box and they're out there wearing shorts and all right, everyone's got their under armor top on and sorry, other tops are available, but you know, they've got their, they've got their top under the strip and their strip and they're out in the middle of the rain and it's freezing did, did and it, you, it was horrible. Did you actually feel the rain? No, cause I was under the cover. It, it wasn't. No. So when I left the group, you were probably would have stayed cause you would have had yeah. like a tea or something up there for free in the press box. No, I was, <laughs> I was doing my job and filming. <laughs> no, but when I left the ground and I was walking around the stadium, the the rain was like glass because it was f- sort of semi frozen and the way yeah. it was going out was actually hurting. Yeah. Felt like little shards. Of, it felt like you know the Lord above was throwing glass at us as I was walking <laughs> down. I was like, if that was happening on the pitch, I I, I wouldn't be able to play. But it, it's far. I mean, I've got a completely different view on the game today than I had yesterday at full time. Yeah, I was a, a little bit snarky at full time. Didn't think it was a good game. Didn't think it was a good performance. That sort of thing. The more I think about it, I think that's a great three points. Because yeah. they had to dig it out on a horrible day. They didn't play great. Bristol Rovers were had that sort of new or new caretaker-y, manager-y type bouncy thing about them. They gave it a good old go. Um, and on a day when Portsmouth dropped more points, that's a great result yesterday. That's the thing. You've got to look at, like, zoom out and have a look at all the results that have taken place. Like, Portsmouth have struggled the last two games. Uh, what was one loss, one draw this week? Yeah, and then they've got us at the weekend. This could be their <laughs> sticky little period. I think yeah. the fact that they've dropped 
five points over the last two and then they come to play us and they'll be like, oh, well, will a point be a good result? Yeah. You can start getting it, it, in. It is interesting, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't start hanging the bunting out and saying they're going to fall away because the two teams oh, are playing Charlton and Barnsley Barnsley outplayed them at one point you know um, we were probably all at the Barnsley game a couple of weeks ago Barnsley look a very good team <clears throat> and Charlton's league position and that tells you they're, they're decent they were as good. well it's yeah. and yeah, what you can see. say is there are two teams that we have beaten at home so yeah, that's that's a positive we can take going into this game thing like, listen we're coming up against these guys who look so good in the league but we've, we're in the position where we can go well we've actually beaten the two teams that they've struggled against recently so they are you can get at them if you play attacking the way Barnsley do they're such a attacking based team like why don't why can't we just do that and put them under the cost from the first whistle Oz take so I want to talk <laughs> a tiny little bit about just a change okay then before <laughs> <laughs> left field yeah but do you think in January he could possibly go because he's barely played and do you think they'll replace him because I have a feeling that centre back's going to be somewhere the the recruit and I think he's the odd man out I don't think they're going to buy another one and not get rid of one I don't know I mean they've, they've all been injured at some point this season there's been one guy out so I don't know why you would let one go no let one go and bring one in well if he's going to do that I, so. I, I don't particularly see him leaving I mean you've, you've got to in certainly in a league like this you've, you've got to have you've got to run four centre-backs minimum in your squad haven't you no, if, the, if they're going to bring a centre-back in I think they're going to bring a centre-back in. Still, I still think if you bring one in, that means we'll have five. I still think you don't let Osterk go because Flanagan isn't really a centre-half. He's uh, a right-back. I don't think he's ever going to play right-back. Where's he going to go, though? Osterk? Yeah. I don't know, back to Turkey or something. <laughs> That's Stuart wow. Donald. That was very Brexit yeah, of your comment. Very... <laughs> <laughs> he's, as, as you say, he's not pulled up any trees. So, no, he's been hopeless. You know, his, really. his dance card may not be full in January. <laughs> Um, has he had enough of a chance do you reckon I don't, I don't know if he has but I think clearly he's not fancied if, I mean, if he's not fancied that's fair enough but he will eventually get a chance to play you've got to assume at some point a couple of games in a row and it's up to him that if he has those two games and he's still crap then fair enough that's it's it, all right. also as well sometimes you, it, it's easy to say that you know managers and fancy him and that sort of thing I think the more accurate way of putting it is that the manager has settled on a centre back pairing that he yeah, prefers I think that's um, more the case and, but I don't know Strange one, that. Yeah, just <laughs> threw it out there. Left field. Um, oh, we did talk about the midfield. You took that away from us, Simon. Just to talk about Catmull there. Um, McLaughlin obviously got injured yesterday. I think it was back spasms, so he should be should be out too long, should he? Um, back spasm myself. He looks very uncomfortable. The, the general crack afterwards was that um, the, the reasonably confident that, that he'll be all right for Portsmouth, that kind of thing. It was, I think, precautionary as much as anything else. There, there wasn't a big song and dance about it in the press conference afterwards. Mm. Um, it's, it's a bit of a worry, obviously. And, you know, let's be honest, the whole mood of the stadium changed when Robin oh, Waiter yeah. took his tracksuit bottoms off and jogged out to stand between the posts. But, um, no, I think McLaughlin, hopefully, for Sunderland, will be all right next week. I actually have trust in Reuter now. I've seen him play a few times this year. And I was like, he's... I think last year we've all seen the Netflix series. We've seen how bad it was behind the scenes. It wasn't oh. a good environment to play. Oh, they had that. They had that low shot in the goal. They must have had a GoPro in where he <laughs> dropped the free kick from Millwall. Oh. Was, that was awful. I remember. I, I wasn't yeah. there for that one. I, I watched it on Soccer Saturday, and there's yeah. that bit at the end where they just like Jeff Stelling was talking through the game and he showed the three yeah. goals and they were in absolute hysterics. I was just sat there them. like shaking my head. It's like oh. the Millwall keeper dropped two flangers and I was. It's just um, the worst. Like, <laughs> Reuter, having said that, let's not turn it into a attack Robin Reuter session but Reuter made a mistake yesterday and got away with it um, because he was in two minds whether to come 
when the lad hit the bar in the last second and he did and it was the wrong decision and he got away with it because he hit the bar. Fair, Fair enough. Uh-huh. I haven't actually seen the, the, he, the thing you've asked. Obviously ca- at the he kind of checked like, oh, his God. run, then he thought, yes, I'm going to go, and it was the wrong decision because if he'd stayed on his line, the guy there isn't a problem, yeah. basically. Um, and he got away with it. Well, Put that down to lack of game time. Yeah, again, <laughs> yeah. again, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> Give him benefit the doubt. Is it worrying that we aren't dominating against, well, quote-unquote, bottom feeders at home? You know, we've <laughs> played a lot of the poorer sides this year, and I think Wickham... They got a point. Oxford haven't been great this season. They got a point. Yesterday, fortunate probably to get the win. Nah. Is it is it worrying? No. No? It's a function of the unique nature of the season. Um, everyone raises the game. It's everyone's weekend mini break away when they come to the stadium alight. Um, League One jobbers don't get to play in stadiums <laughs> like that very often. And it, it just is. Everyone seems to raise their game when they come to the stadium alight. It's, it's been a constant conversation point with the manager and, and press conferences this season and it, it's just true the the Wickham one you mentioned their their manager what's his name um, Gareth Ainsworth that's right who came he across very well afterwards it. but he was talking about it like he was visiting Buckingham Palace in yeah. the press conference afterwards yeah. he was so reverential about the place he was on BT Sport the week before for the uh, Port Vale game uh-huh. and he was just saying like listen we're here scouting fair enough but we're going to turn up and play it with the same intensity as this FA Cup game. Yeah. And he was saying that everyone's face is like, yeah, we all know it's going to happen. What are we supposed to do to stop it? Like, that's the question. And that, that every team that's coming there. But strangely enough, the possible exceptions might be the likes of Barnsley and that sort of thing, who are used to going yeah. to places like that. But um, it it's just a function of it. And, and also, I think it's the nature of the league. It's the nature of the team that Jack Ross is building at the moment as well, that they don't, apart from spells in games, they don't necessarily dominate. But... I've changed my opinion on that as well. I you come in here and say, oh, there's so much more for Sunderland to do. They're going to get better and better. And I don't think they're the finished article. Uh, and, and whilst I still, I still think that's true to an extent, they've lost once in 20 games in the league. That's yeah, that's remarkable. Right. So, you so it's, it's, it's time for people like me to to be give them a bit more credit for what for not what they could be, but for what they actually are. Well, they could on, At the minute I was looking, if they won the games in hand, when Elliot 23 games... They could be getting. They're on about a hundred point pace at the minute, and you know we're still we're not griping really, but there is still a few gripes. You know, the fact that I brought that we haven't been dominating against lower sides, but uh-huh. I think you're right in the sense that everyone does seem to raise their game. I mean, Bristol Rovers first fifteen minutes yesterday ran yeah. the heart out. Blue they didn't really do anything the rest of the game, but the first fifteen minutes, yeah, they got that goal. And it's no coincidence we're coming back to win games. We're coming up against teams who are coming flying out the traps, absolutely like playing us off the park for the first half an hour. And then towards the end of the game, come the 60th, 70th minute, they're all knackered and we're winning the game 2-1. It's, it's they, like, happening that way. You, you're absolutely spot on, Chris. Because uh, yesterday, and teams have done this at the stadium light especially, they, they did a high press for the first, <laughs> yeah. certainly, to start off with. They, it was a massive high press on Sunderland because they know that Ross likes them to play out from the back and that sort of thing. So they press very high. But... They're not good enough or fit enough in League One to keep that keep up for it. 90 minutes. Yeah. It's just the reality, isn't it? Um, we saw Watmore come back yesterday. Uh, came from the first league start since he got injured last year. I think it was possibly the Millwall game he got injured that we were talking about before. Uh, could have got a man sent off there. I would interesting to hear whether or not you believe that was a red card for the Bristol Rovers man. Probably didn't make a difference in the grand scheme of things, but was it? Um, I think it was too far away. I know yeah. he's quick, but it was. Had it been ten yards further on, definite case for a red card. But it was just over the halfway line. 
I'd give benefit of the doubt the defender covering as well. Yeah, and, and because it's, there's that much ground to cover, yeah. that, that you'd think that somebody will get back. I know it sounds pedantic, but I know yeah. it is last man. But if you think about it, like what more was like on the sideline running towards goal, and their covering defender was in the centre of the pitch. Yeah, so he would. So have. he would have got there. It's a shorter distance for the defender to cover. If you know what I mean? It's, uh-huh. it's it would have been a harsh red card, but you could have given it, it as well. It was a strange thing because there was. Whilst I know fans like the whole sense of injustice thing when when that sort of thing happens and the the red card doesn't come out, I I felt at that moment there was also quite a big element of relief because at that point they'd hit the bar and you thought, right, that's it. Yeah, (laughs) It will be full time in 10 seconds and Sunderland are going to win the game. So as well as that, should that have been a red card, there's, oh, thank God for that. Oh, yeah. I thought, what the only reason why I thought it could have been a red card, I actually don't think it was, but I thought the referee might have thought... Number one, the tackle was really bad. It was a bad tackle. And number yeah, two, there's, then there's also the professional foul element to it. So if that tackle happens in the middle of the park, it's a yellow card. The fact he was stopping a guy running in, technically would make it two yellow cards. It was their number eight, wasn't it? Oh, I've got no idea. I think it was their number eight. I, I can't remember exactly what moment it was earlier in the game, but I think he should have already been booked at that point. So you could make the case it could have been his second yellow, but the referee refereed it in such a way that no one would have got booked for it. There's a couple of occasions he was like grappling with Honeyman and he pulled people yeah. down. And the, the weird ones, those, they're, they're yeah. quite, even with the law, I think for referees they're quite subjective because there was the Yedling one for Newcastle the other week and also yep. last week Bessic got sent off for Middlesbrough and both were similar, similar mm-hmm. sort of pulling back, that kind of thing. Was there cover, was there not cover? And those two got red cards, but those decisions could have gone the other way as well. Yeah, it's one of those you can't really be... You've, you're annoyed if you're on the other end of it, simply. There's no there's no like 100% agreement on one of those, definitely not. And last thing really I want to talk about the game. Actually, there's two things, but the first thing is Maguire um, came on yesterday and I didn't think he looked his usual self. I don't know if that was just me. I just thought he, he looked a bit lethargic. Was he not back from injury after the last game? Or did he play for against Walsall? There was the one where he he, he went out yeah. in the warm up, didn't he? And yes. he got he got taken out. Um, he might be carrying something. Yeah. He, he didn't look hit the post quite the way that he can be. He did, as you say, hit the post. I think it's the nature of of cult hero players like Chris <laughs> Maguire that there'll be peaks and troughs. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a fair enough comment, but I, I wouldn't worry about it too yeah. much. Yeah, he was consistent. The like the level he's been at when he's been his best. If he was consistently that level, he wouldn't be in League One. So it was a shame yeah. that Powers effort didn't go in as well. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah. Absolute screamer. I was annoyed at him for the second one. It's like fair enough, oh. you've just hit the bar, but they need to be shooting from like forty yards out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't anywhere near. <laughs> and McGeady actually, who you know, your man of the match. Fair enough, but. The one at the end, if if, if he kept it. his head up, he just needed to, oh, just needed to give it a what more? I, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Fairy tale. I think one thing I'd say about McGeady there is against Southend the other week, he scored the same shot, essentially the same sort of move. Uh-huh. So I think he was thinking and he said, well, I, I scored last time I was in this position. But against Barnsley, he squared it for 9 He did the right thing. Mm. Well, next time then he's going to pass it, isn't he? <laughs> I think you've got to look at it in the sense that, yeah, McGeady... He was within his rights to shoot, but then if you look at where Watmore's position was on the pitch, it would have been an easier chance for Watmore had he got the pass to him right. So in that sense, you've made the wrong decision. But obviously, in hindsight, if McGeady'd scored, then yeah, it was a great decision. If he passed it or Watmore missed, then oh, why did you pass one. it? I mean, it's one of those hindsight ones, isn't it? Go back to that Michael Chopper one all them years ago where he passed it and he should have shot it, you know? Yeah. <sighs> uh, so. You know, the one, go back to it, the one. Three, yeah, points, exactly. three points. Forget the detail. They won. Goes down in the history books. Portsmouth didn't win. Sunderland did. 
the final thing about the game yesterday is, is actually a little bit of a, a rant, I would say. Because I sit around, I sit in the north uh, west corner, and the people around me, and I, probably some of them will listen to this, and it's no real offence, but I just wanted to make the point, complaining about like everything in the game. So, like, Josh Madger, 19, scores goals. And yet people whinge about his hold-up play, the whinge that he doesn't run the channels, the whinge that, you know, sometimes maybe his touch isn't what they would like. And yet he goes and he, he he just he needs the ball 20 yards out and he'll score a goal. And people are complaining. Same thing with Honeyman. So Honeyman's another one. He just no matter what happens in a game, Die. if he loses the ball, people complain. Just relax. But pretty much on on track to be top of the league. Let we play. It's not going to be great. We're in League One. We're not going to play a brilliant game of football. It's not the Premier League. We are going to make mistakes. We've got a lot of young players. You know, Gooch, Honeyman, Madge. You can say a lot of them. A lot of the players. Just very young, very raw. Just enjoy it. Like, don't get angry. Just go to the game. Enjoy it. If we get beat, it's not happened yet at home this season. Get beat, shout at the players. But when it's it's a, a game like yesterday, the conditions, the way it was, just relax. Like, just don't get on the players' backs. We're in a, a good place, new ownership, new manager, players that were like, just just let it go. What gets my back up is the is the, the fans who two years ago complained that the players on the pitch weren't playing for the shirt and weren't running and weren't trying, but they were like technically excellent and now we've got players who are running their hearts out, will do anything for Sunderland, dive in front of any shot, run in any weather, because they've like miscontrolled that ball once in 90 minutes and they get absolutely slated. It's like, yeah. how are you? What are you supposed to do? The, the, there's <laughs> people around me who don't let the players finish and that's what irritates me. If the ball goes out of play and it's a bad touch, then I can forgive it a little bit. But the players aren't finished and they're complaining that they've not played a pass. Yesterday, the prime example was Madja's goal. McGeady doesn't play to Oviedo, which is like the obvious pass. If he plays it at Madja, who gets in one-on-one and scores, it's like, don't have a go until the play is finished until you've seen what he's going to do. Because to be honest, McGeady knows a damn sight more about how to play football than you in the crowd just let them play it's fair it's perfectly fair enough I I come from a similar position to what you were both saying there but you you enjoy football how you enjoy it don't you so if if actually you want to go to a game of football to rant and rave and have a go you're perfectly entitled to do that that's why Connor has a podcast. That's true. I came on here. To, I didn't see them in the ground. I just let them go and whisper things. To so my they're, they're not breaking the law. No, Absolutely I never not. said that though. <laughs> no, I just mean I just think sometimes fans need to appreciate the fact we're in League One and we're not going to see perfect football, and we just need to sort of help the players and not get on their backs. Ultimately, as well though, they're there as well. Like yesterday, particularly, they're there in the worst conditions of the, the season so the far. No, the, the fans are oh, as yeah, well. You know what I mean, like. The fans are there still twenty eight thousand in the stadium. So podcast host slate Sunderland supporters. Nah, ninety nine percent of them are really good. Yeah, but, uh, I just want to get that out there. And well done to the Bristol Rovers fans. Oh, wasn't that a great turnout from them in yeah. December? Brilliant. Wow, really impressed with that. Yeah, I was too. Everyone has been this year. I bet the away end turnout this year has been higher than what we used to get in the Premier League because every oh, team used to bring up a big end. I really. I mean, how many that. Chelsea fans are going? Oh, I really fancy that trip to Sunderland. We also play there midweek as well. Like yeah, did actually. <laughs> uh, talked a little bit about Portsmouth, but I want to go back to it now. Uh, how how do we tackle it? Is a point good enough? Um. Oh, yeah, it is. It is good enough, but I don't think that's how Jack Ross will approach the game. I think he'll go and try and win it. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think that's his nature as a manager. Oh, I, I can't see Jack Ross ever going. We're going to settle for the draw today. Uh huh. He just he just can't do it. I want to see power 
in midfield with Honeyman being deeper, and then you can have Gooch, Maguire, McGeady, and Madger all up front. That's just the team, have, I think. Yeah, Maguire and Magic can play off each other, and then you just let the other two do whatever they do, and then uh-huh. attack from the outset. Catamult, not the sort of game you'd want Catamult playing? Yes, to an extent, but earlier discussion, I don't know whether that balance is quite right. It, yeah. Although, although having two attack dog type players might be what you want in that game. I don't know, but, but for me, maybe not. Both to be together. fair, I've not done the same level of analysis of Portsmouth that Jack Ross will have done. That's true. Uh-huh. And I don't see what Lee Catamore looks like in training every week, which is a point I made in our group chat. It was obviously Catamore looked off the pace, so why, why did Jack Ross pick him? It's like, well, because he's been watching him train all week, so obviously he's not been until... no real other options. Yeah, it's so. true. Uh, and, and Luton, how worried are we about Luton? Because Luton just seemed like they keep winning at the minute. They were the hipsters' pick at the start of the season, weren't they? <laughs> that was the, the the word on the street. Well, the record demands respect, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. They've they've got. Uh, I'm looking at the table. Scored a lot of goals. The goal difference. Sunderland have got the best goal difference, but they've got the second best goal difference. I think Luton. Yeah, but so they, one they, goal behind. Yeah, so they they score a lot of goals, and their home form is is we got good. A point. But again, I was just going to go on to that. It, it's one of those, with hindsight, certain results look better or worse later on in the season, don't they? And that point at Luton, when everyone was getting a bit pissy about being in League One in the early days and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, oh, look at that, 1-1 at Luton. <laughs> and and now, doesn't look bad at all, does it? No, I think I think no. Luton are going to be... I thought it was going to be us, Portsmouth and Barnsley. I think now I think it's us, Portsmouth, Luton. I do think us and Portsmouth will pull You're just picking the top three in the league every time you make this prediction yeah, yeah, then. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> pretty much it. Yeah, but Barnsley have really came off the pace. I think they're out the playoffs now. Yeah, they were eighth. Yeah, seventh end of play on yeah. Saturday, I think. But they're good. Yeah, they're they good. Are very and, good. I mean, with Portsmouth, one defeat in 20 in, in the league for Sunderland. Portsmouth, similar record. They've played more games, they've got more points, that kind of thing. It, it's so, It's relentless. I mean that that deserves an awful lot of respect. One one of my big bosses at ITV is a is a Portsmouth fan. So we've we occasionally if he's in the office, he's not he's not at Tainty's very often, but if he is, we'll we'll have we'll have a chat because obviously he's interested in sport, he's interested in football. Mm-hmm. And and now that Sunderland are in the same division as Portsmouth, he comes to me, I'm the sports correspondent, so we, we talk about the situation. He's always interested in what's going on at Newcastle, that sort of thing. And Portsmouth are loving it at the minute because they've they've got a good manager, they're they're doing very well. And as I yeah. said earlier, I, I I wouldn't judge them too much on the last two results because they've played two good teams. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think if we can turn up and make it three tough results in a row, then that would be credit to us more than it would be yeah. worry about Portsmouth time for their fans. I think them saying we've won three games without a win, you know, I think that would be nice to hear them worrying about that. But to go back, I, I'm convinced that, that Ross will see it as a game that he'll go and try and win. Oh, yeah, it'd be massive. If they get the three points, it would really put us in pole position. Especially with them two games in hand. Right, Twitter questions. Jake Collinson, this one's probably for me actually. How long did it take for you to thaw out after the match yesterday? Because <laughs> um, you would have went to the warmth of the press box at half time and stuff as well. Um, I, 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 I stayed outside. Did you? Well, I, I was undercover, but I was outside for the, for the whole game. Did you? Did you not go in? No. Didn't Why go not? In. Didn't go in. Um, uh, the stairs. The stairs, really? Yeah, it <laughs> was. Stairs, it was the really? stairs. Like yeah. vertical up there. <laughs> so once you're up, you don't you don't want to come back down unless you yeah. absolutely have to. Really. It took me, I don't know, the car car heaters, isn't it? You get to the car and the heaters take about ten minutes to go hot, don't they? Probably took me about twenty minutes. Probably got the time tunnel as I was driving home. Took a while. And Chris, you watched it from the comfort of Alaska or something, didn't you? Yeah, I was in Copenhagen, Copenhagen. Um, <laughs> watching it with me family. <laughs> 
spontaneous Saturday trip to watch the football in Copenhagen. So uh, as one does, yeah, you know what I mean. If it's, the opportunity just came up, so I just decided we'll just quickly nip over. Yeah. Got back just in time for the podcast's dedication for you. So yeah, yeah, quick, quick flight, quick flight over. Oh, right. up there. Okay, Macam Golfer. He this one's for Simon. Did the journals? That would be you. Know how bad it was at the time, having now seen the footage. He's referring to the Netflix documentary, I believe. Um. Has anything shocked you? Maybe that's the... Well, I should say I'm I'm midway through episode five. I'm very much enjoying it. I think it's a it's a very good piece of telly and it's very well made. I don't I don't think anything's particularly shocked me. I raised an eyebrow at Martin Bain's meeting with the scouting department. Mm. Um and I I'm I'm led to believe there's some stuff coming up which I may raise an eyebrow at, uh, to do with Chris Martin and 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 things like that. But it it's a it's a strange thing. It, it, it's interesting now to watch the Netflix documentary because it, there's an element of, did that really happen, the whole thing? And, and on, while you're covering it as well, that there's always the thought, when someone like Coleman, incidentally, it's funny how everyone instantly fell in love with Chris Coleman. They've shown that on the documentary as well. Um, with someone like him being there, you th- there was always the thought throughout last season that Sunderland will get out of this. They, they won't get relegated. Something will happen. So all the time you're covering it, there was always that at the back of the mind. And it, it was only it was only kind of the moment they get relegated, you think, oh my God, this has so obviously been coming for six months, hasn't it? And it was just an absolute car crash. I, in answer to your question, I, I don't think probably people knew quite how toxically awful it was behind the scenes. And I'm not so much talking about the dressing room, but just the the upper echelons of the club and how financially bad it was. I don't know if people actually knew that. What about Grayson? Because, I mean, I think it's the first episode he does his wonderful pre-season hype uh, uh, team yeah. talk where he's talking like this and Sunderland represents I'd, working class people. The, uh, it is in the sort of um, a documentary maker, well, any, any sort of television producer, um you have the power to shape the narrative. You have the power to to put the message across that you want to get across. I don't particularly think that the Netflix documentary has done Simon Grayson any favours, but that's the way that they chose to edit it. Um, he was always a very nice, very polite man to deal with. I don't want to assassinate him. I don't think it is great for him. No, the way it comes across. No, I like. I met Simon Grayson uh-huh. actually. Once he's a he's a he's a nice chap, isn't he? Yeah, really, really good. Guy. I remember that night. He's just like, yeah. Guess what? I'm doing this photo of his mug of Simon Grayson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got loads of off the record stuff that I didn't report. Um, do you think it impacts anybody's ability to get a job? Do you think somebody will watch that? Who'll go? You know, say um, someone sacks a manager in League One. I don't know. Bristol Rovers looking for a manager. Simon Grayson's at the top of the list. Do you think they can watch that and go, do you know what, Joey, I, I don't fancy him now. Joey Barton's a, a League One manager, so Simon Grayson's be absolutely fine. I yeah, think. but if you were recruiting, in all seriousness. I, I would I would be quite happy looking at Simon Grayson. I wouldn't, would you? Like, After yeah, watching yeah. the documentary? Yeah. I'd, I, would, I would go under the premise that my club's better ran than Sunderland was in that season and think we'll be able to support him a lot better than Martin Bain was. Because as much as um, it's not really Martin Bain's job to look after the team he, he does have to look after Grayson to a certain length I don't think they really do or did mm. I think a lot of the managers would say we didn't really have 
like support. Like they all got the backing of the board and all that, but I don't think they ever actually had help the same way that Jack Ross does with Stuart Donald. If you look at their relationship and the fact he's brought people in with the specific role of helping Jack Ross get his job done properly. Okay, same question, but Martin Bain. Will he ever get another job in football now? Oh, I hope not. If I have to watch him make another Nespresso, I'm going to flip. <laughs> bits of it he comes across all right, bits of it maybe not so much. I liked how um, he did the, the, I'm not really a corporate person. I think he, he did that whole spiel and I was like, come on, Martin, you are Mr. Corporate Person. He does love football, doesn't he? I think that's yes, the people who met him. He genuinely does love yeah. football and he does, he does get Sunderland at the same time. But It was a hellish, hellish, hellish situation. Hmm. that he was in. It was a really, really bad hand of cards that he was dealt, but he didn't play it very well, did he? He took over a Premier League team and left the League One. Exactly. And so, he was only there two years. So, whilst you can point to all the ex- excuses and extenuating circumstances, ultimately, Martin Bain's time at Sunderland is in nobody's estimation a success, was it? Adam Baker, similar sort of question, but what do you guys think of the mess the club was in compared to now now we've seen it behind closed doors what do you think I suppose what is the difference what's changed from Netflix series 1 to what Netflix series 2 will be like I think it'll be chalk and cheese everything I think everything about it The, I suppose will series 2 be controversial at the moment if if it follows the path that it's on at the minute series 2 will just be a love fest basically yeah. um <laughs> With featuring Stuart and Charlie and Juan and I'm going to Jack. take that little like snippet. Then it sounds like you're describing an orgy <laughs> um, <laughs> with Stuart, Charlie, it, it, and Juan. It, it, <laughs> you know, having said, because you're right, I, 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 I don't think people realise quite how bad it was. But what you could say was that it was it, it, it was a bit smelly. There was a bad atmosphere around around the club, and it, it just sort of that sort of rotting at the edges, and and you wonder if uh, uh, you know. Are the floorboards going to go through at any second? And, and it, nothing about it felt good or right or fun or healthy last season. And most things about it now feel pretty good, pretty healthy, although the finances is still a battle that is going to be waged for years and years and years to get them properly where they want them to be and that sort of thing. And... I know a function of this point is that it's League One and Sunderland therefore win more, but it's fun. And having gone there for many, many years, all the years at the Stadium of Light and, and some before at Roker Park, certainly the last five or six years, it's been horrible going there to, to cover matches and not expecting the home team to win and not expecting it to be a particularly enjoyable experience. And now it is. Where do you think we would be right now if Ellis kept it? Nineteenth oh. in League One. You think? I don't know who'd be manager. Would be. In uh, I don't think. I don't think he would have thought outside the box and looked for someone like Jack Ross. I think it would have been a forty-five to sixty-year-old lower league jobbing manager, and uh, it would be slowly dying a death. And crowds would have dipped below fifteen thousand. Horrible, scary. On to slightly more positive things. Uh, Graham Field has three questions, but first one is, can you recommend a podcast that you enjoy other than Rogue Report and our good friends Wise Men Say? So, Rogue Report any... Extra. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> any without Rogue Report, <laughs> or Wise Men Say. Any, any maybe non-Sunderland podcasts that any of us listen to? I, I love basketball, so if you love basketball, the starters, excellent. That's it. <laughs> I, I very much like uh, 
Atletico Mints. Oh, That's right. very, very funny indeed. And um, whilst it is the BBC, and I suppose in some respects I work for the opposition, um, if I don't listen to it, I, I, I quite like the Monday Night Football podcast as well because that's always a very good discussion and they have some very good guests and they get into it and that's that's good stuff. Peter Crouch, I like the Peter Crouch podcast. Yeah. That I haven't a, heard it. Is it worth oh, it? Oh, it's a very good listen. Uh-huh. I think Crouchy, I wish he'd done it when he'd retired because I feel like he holds back uh-huh. on some things. But he's, he's a good listen. He's, he's a funny guy. Uh, Flintoff Savin, the ping pong guy, is pretty good as well. Yeah, I've, I don't listen to that one religiously, but it's on like it's yeah, like it's good. a backup. You know, if there's nothing left on like a Sunday or something, I'll listen to that one. It's Sunday Night Club Five Live, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Non-sporting related. Uh, there's no such thing as a fish. Is really good. It's the QI elves, so the people who write the questions for QI, they just <laughs> sit around a table and bring their favourite fact that they've researched that week. Nice. Brilliant, it's hilarious. I don't. I only listen to sport podcasts. Yeah, I'm very rigid. In Another my good listening. one is my dad wrote a porno. Which is um, did he? <laughs> one about this this these group of people who are friends in uni. You'll have heard a few of them, but um, one of their dads literally wrote a erotic novel, and nice. he just gets his mates around and they sit and read the novel to each other, and then like interject with questions about what's going like on. So that's very funny as well. <laughs> Fair play. That took a different. Uh, yeah, twist. <laughs> very. If you ask for a good podcast, yeah. that's a good podcast. Uh, back to to Sunland. Uh, Fieldo also says, as things stand, we look as though we are going to get promoted. Would you bring a couple of players in during January, the January transfer window, or keep the money until the summer? Oh, he got a sign in January, I think. I'm not so sure. Just a bit Fred Bear at the moment. It's a couple think, of players injured. I think you could stand Pat, but I think I can see oh. Oviedo possibly leaving, which will. Mean they'll they'll probably want to bring in another player. Well, I think people should be aware that if the club gets a chance to offload more than one of the big earners in January, they will probably do that. So because that's Catamol, McGeady, McGeady, Oviedo. Yeah, Matthews is another one who's still on good money and that kind of thing. His and contract's out at the end of the year, isn't it, Matthews? They, they they would be very tempted to to do that just to lessen the financial burden. If if people leave, then yes, absolutely, they need to be replaced. As it stands, I think that the squad will be good enough and the manager will be good enough to to manoeuvre that squad about to get them out of this division. And It's the fact that Duncan Watmore's coming back, that touch wood Charlie Wyke will play a big part for Sunderland in the second half of the season. They've got enough midfielders. Defence, maybe. Maybe yeah, I think a centre half in. or a right back would do because then sign a centre half it means you've got Flanagan now as cover at right back and then sign a right back you've got cover at right back So, Do you bring Emilton back? Yes 100% I love Emilton, Emilton. I think he's a fantastic footballer Would you not rather he played? Or would you rather have him in and around the squad? Because if I you would, bring him back he's on the bench I would play Emilton in for those games where like, Ross obviously decides to rest Maguire for whatever reason every now and then Emblem to me is the natural replacement. So if we were talking earlier about if you have to have one of Power or Catamol, then you can have Emblem in place of Maguire or Gooch or McGeady. He's 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 sensational. He's he'd be really good. It's interesting. Um don't forget Ethan Robson either. He Big comes fan. back um, as well. Yeah. Been told the manager likes him as well. He's so a really good player. Uh-huh. I know he was only against Carlisle in the checker trade when he scored, but that whole performance up until yeah, he went off was, was excellent. He was really confident on the ball, kept things ticking over, play could go through him and it wouldn't slow us down at all, which is a really important feature in a midfielder. So, so we've talked about Elliot Hamilton and, and Ethan Robson and then put the question to you again, do Sunderland need to bring people in in January? 
Probably, probably. I still think a defender. Apart from defending, yeah. I don't think they've got a player in the academy at the minute, a defender who, well, apart from Hume, but obviously he's still out. I was going to say a striker as well, but um, Nelson's on loan at the moment, and he could. Uh... Scored a couple of goals. He could it, yeah. he could demand attention well, if, he, uh, if he scores a few more. It's still you know the the very visible elephant in the corner of the room is is still Josh Madger in January and the contract yeah. and that sort of thing because the whole thing changes if Josh if Josh Madger leaves the club in January, which at this as we sit here today is is still a possibility. I think if Madger isn't signed by, well, basically by if he doesn't January. sign a contract either by January or in January, I think he's gone. They'd be they'd be silly not to sell him, and I would. Understand the decision. That that's unfor- the unfortunate truth of it, isn't it? That um, you're quite those, right. They've they've got to look after the financial health of the club, and if if it comes up and somebody offers five million, let's say, I'm not going to argue about the, the money, but say it's about that figure, and they are told by Josh Madger and his representatives that he's not minded to sign a new contract, they'll probably have to sell him, won't they? But um, I don't know. I mean, Stuart Donald's been very honest about everything. He's not looked to pull the wool over people's eyes. So when he says on social media that he's hopeful there'll be good news about Josh Madger and Lyndon Gooch, at this point, I think we have to take him at face value, don't we? I think if Madger, I wouldn't, if he was, if, if Stuart Donald believes that Madger and Gooch are going to stay, he must believe it so much that he's putting it on social media because he's putting his neck on the line. Because if we mm-hmm. do get rid of Gooch and Madger, he comes in here in February, then he's going to get grilled about it because we've got it on social Connor's media. Be fuming. Know, <laughs> but the thing is, though, fans fuming. have got it. They've yeah. got evidence that he said that they're going to stay. Uh-huh. So if they don't but stay, he's not. He's not said they're going to stay. He said he hopes that there'll be good news soon. Yeah, but he said that they've said they want to stay. Yeah. You've got to think yeah. as well for Stuart Donald, uh, like Jack Ross's ambition as well. And I think we were talking about like signing players stuff like that. Jack Ross obviously has. I don't think he has any desire to sign. Especially, I think mm-hmm. he's pretty content with his squad. But Stuart Donald will look at offers coming in for players, and you think players like Catamol as well. If an offer came of Catamol, and obviously Ross really, really likes Lee Catamol, Stuart Donald will sit to himself, "We can afford to pay his wages. A, selling him would be great. We could do a lot of that money. But B, he is playing an important part this season. The manager really likes him, so we can afford to keep him. Let's keep him. Maybe he'd give the decision to somebody else to make because he would fine either way. It's it's tough to say what we're Stuart Tedzak, you know, when he's, he's spoken in here, he has said a few times that, like, I do want to make sure the best interests of the football club are at heart, and part of that is finance, but the other part is also on the pitch. Strategically, I think if if they can get away without a great expenditure in January, I think that's the way to go. Because, as I say, I think that the squad is strong enough for the division that Sunderland are in, and I, I, strategically, I think keeping powder dry for the summer, when hopefully Sunderland will be looking to plan for a championship campaign. They can. They will be shopping for different players at that point. Yeah, and players who will will cost more money. If we can get a player who comes available in January, who screams to you, championship player, and will definitely be in the squad next season, then I think it's a no-brainer to go and sign him and spend the money. But I think that's the only reason you would do it. You wouldn't sign another cover at any position. I don't think you wouldn't sign another Glenn Leuven's for centre half. No. You know what I mean? You'd need to sign somebody who is going to be straight in the play, first yeah. team. Uh-huh. I okay, think that's the the key part. What's the let's say Madger doesn't sign it? What what is the value? How much does Sunderland get? Moisa went for three and a half million. He was a League Two striker last year. Older. So it's more than that. Um, I think. So since since I was last in on a podcast, um, film training, and we, we weren't actually filming the shooting practice, but watched them do the shooting practice. 
my God, he's finishing. He's, he's red hot. He really is. I think he took his goal so well yesterday. Oh, so the finish, I know the keeper kind of made a little bit of a Horlicks of it, but it was a good finish. It was the, the little, that inbuilt awareness he had to do the little stutter step mm-hmm. and, and sit the defender down rather than take the shot on I first time. It was so good. That was, that's proper tradecraft, that. That's excellent. He's, a, he's already way over £5 million for me in terms of value. And on potential alone, and it's strangely because because he'd be a player coming out of League One, it probably is a single figure number. Yeah. If he was in a championship and doing what he's doing in the championship, it's double digits already. He's he's got virtually limitless potential at his age. His finishing, which is the hardest part of the game, seems to come to him absolutely naturally. Yes, hold up play. Yes, blah blah blah. Yes, but players can be taught that. Yeah. The bit that you can't be taught, he's very, very good well, at. Well, look at Sinclair, who's better at hold-up play, better at running the channels. Put him in front of goal, he, he's got about a 1 in 10 chance of putting on target. <laughs> Nothing against him, he's just uh-huh. not a natural finisher. Yeah. Madger, in and around the box, you put the ball to him 20 yards out, he's uh-huh. got a good chance of scoring. I, I, I still believe that it's it's better for Josh Madger to stay at Sunderland until the end of the season because he's in the groove, he'll get games, he'll hopefully have a good football memory of achieving something at the end of the season. I also wonder whether there might be a bit of a gentleman's agreement to be had with a, a one or two year contract extension and the understanding that if and when the right offer comes in in the summer, then the club won't stand in his mm-hmm. way. Um, but I, I think the example of his mate at Swansea, um, it's not really worked so far for us Oro, has it? Uh, and, the grass is not necessarily always greener. Um, if I if I was him and if I was his agent, I would say you've got time on your side. It's going well at Sunderland. Stay where you are for the next six months. And so don't go up. Put a clause. Oh, undo- look, yeah, look, undoubtedly, of course. Contract. You yeah. say it to him in January, right? Sign the deal. But if we don't go up, we'll let you go for three million. That sort of thing. That's yeah. right. I mean, he's clearly capable of playing way higher than the level he's playing at the moment. Yeah. It's a unique position because I'm tr- I was just looking there to try and find a, a player of a similar age who's moved recently. And the, the first one that's put in mind was Natty Wells because he played for Bradford in League One and he got a move. But he's now 25, so he's completely irrelevant. Then I thought Patrick Bamford, he's also 25. He went for eight million this summer, but you can't really compare him. You know what I mean? There isn't a comparison. There isn't a comparison. All the good young players are in locked up in Chelsea's yeah. academy. You know what I mean? They're all... <laughs> I think most of them actually yeah. are. So I have have a nineteen year old who's actually performing and doing as well as he is. I can't really see how you can. I know. I mean, look, as, as, as Sunderland fans, it's not just Sunderland fans. It's it's every club who isn't Liverpool or Manchester United yeah. or Manchester City or that sort of thing. There, there is with Madger. There's an element of enjoy him while you can, because yeah. he's he's not going to be at Sunderland for his whole career. I think Sunderland have to go back to back promotions and immediately be a very good Premier League team. For Josh Madge's timeline to really fit with ours. Yeah, Shakiri, two goals. Liverpool one three one. We'll just put a, a real life date and time on when this podcast oh. being recorded. <laughs> I was just looking there. I was, he started on the bench as well. Yeah, he yeah. came on. Super class. sub. Yeah, Stoke City. Super fine. Swiss sub. Yeah. <laughs> um, are we all done there? Are we all done on Madge? Aye, I think if Madge leaves, we need to get loads and loads of money. Right. Need okay. a lot of money, and they need to spend. Um, a fair bit of it on getting in a striker who'll score goals. Tom yeah. Hoops. There we are. He's the plan. Or Kiefer Moore. Oh, Kiefer Moore would be brilliant. He'd I like be, Kiefer Actually, Moore. Kiefer Moore's probably a better option because he's a 
he's championship standard. Speaking of contracts, uh, Adam Matthews contracts up at the end of the season. I think paying whatever he asks for. I love him, but less than what he's on right now. <laughs> but what less than he's on right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Adam Matthews? Surely, do you wait till the end of the season? There's not going to be that much interest in him, is there? Um, it's a difficult situation, isn't it? Because he, he he signed when the club was different, at, Africa, at, I think, at, at a different level, and so his contract is that of a Premier League footballer. And if he's, you're saying his contract's up at the end of the season, Sunderland might offer him a contract, but it it won't be fifty percent of of what he's on at the minute. So what what do you do? It's a difficult situation. Yeah. Isn't if it? a bigger who, club comes in and offers him the same money, then it, who, go ahead, fair play. Let's be honest. Who is like who's going to offer Adam? Math- you see, he's on fifteen. Who's going to offer him 15 grand a week? Oh, Nottingham Forest. That's a Forest signing all over that. <laughs> 15 I, see, I, I a week on a League One player. I think last year, I think teams would be scared of him because A, he's had injury problems with B, in the he's championship last year, he was level. poor. Yeah. So I think I don't think he'll get, I think the best contract offer he'll get will be off Sunderland. Maybe, but I think it's a, as I said, I think it's a difficult one for Sunderland because it it's a, odd thing to get somebody coming into a contract negotiation and say well there's the offer and it's literally peanuts compared to the yeah. one that you've just finished I think it's all but that's, rest that's his... the world that they live in now yeah it'll be a lot of personal decision for Matthews obviously our family and things like that yeah. like is it worth taking the cut to keep my family settled or do I look at maybe moving like, if anyone does make an offer of anywhere near if it turns out another club makes an offer that's only marginally better than the one we've made him then he might well just say like well it's actually not worth it for the, the sake of that difference there's one other point because we're we're on, sort of on this contracts transfery stuff. What what happens if uh, a reasonable championship or Scottish Premier League team comes in for McGeady? What does Sunderland do then? I think. <sighs> See you later. Yeah, I think it depends how much he's on. I don't actually have an idea of what he's on, but I'm going to presume it's twenty up. Well, he he was around he was Grayson's marquee signing, wasn't yeah. he? Coming into the championship, he's you know. His CV is international football and and top divisions and that kind of thing. And and as we've said, his 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 skill set mean he stands out like a sore thumb in League One. But they've also grown to rely on him because sometimes when things aren't working quite as well or flowing quite as well, he's the person who can break the game. And he he's, yeah, yeah, he's become very 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 important to that team. And I think. In, I'm reluctant to say it would be a bigger thing to lose him than to lose Madja, but I think it would be almost as big for Sunderland were McGeady not to be there at the end of January. I think from McGeady's point of view, there isn't a single team um, of Sunderland's stature where he will be the, the main man like he is here. And I, I'm totally presuming, but I think just watching the way he plays and his body language, I think he likes that sort of responsibility. He likes being the man. He likes taking the, sh- the, the shots and the penalties and... I think when Jack Ross gave him the captain's armband, it was a bit of a masterstroke. He went and played a blinder. I think he loves that type of love and attention, and I don't think there's another club where he'll get that. I think he really. loves being the dog's bollocks, doesn't he? <laughs> loves it. All right. Well, the, it's been it, it's been a thing that the manager said a couple of times, and you think, well, footballers they, they must all enjoy it. It'd be brilliant. I wish I was a footballer and that kind of thing. But it, it pointedly has been said about McGeady that he's really enjoying his football. Um, he obviously didn't last year. He's, he's had an interesting career, McGeady, lots of points at which you, th- you wonder whether he did enjoy it. Yeah, if you remember, he had a very strange move to Russia. Spider um, Moscow. That, that kind of thing. When he was, he was he was the dog's bollocks, as you say, at Celtic. He was the wonderkind. 
Then he had that strange move. And then he's been around a few places. Everton was like kind of, it was all right, wasn't it? There was bits where it was good, not so good. How much has he ever enjoyed it? He's past 30 now. He's, he, he is enjoying it, obviously. Mm-hmm. So there's probably a lot to be said for that. But equally, what he'll be thinking in the back of his mind and what his agent will be thinking is he's probably got one move left in him. Um, and that could be a problem for Sunderland in January. Uh, Paul McElduff says, "Do you think Netflix will release the second series?" And yes, they are. that'll probably be released not December next year. Announced, doesn't it? It's well, the, the, happening. Well, no. well, it is happening because they've been recording me. And they've, yeah, so. they've kept filming. Yeah. So the, the Netflix well, they crew has been there all the way through this season. So mm-hmm. the plan obviously is yes to do it. Well, Stuart Donald said on our podcast, he's been he's they've been in his house and that, haven't they? Rough filming, yeah, so. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how it works. I don't know how Net Netflix's sort of um, commissioning the, the, the thing works. But a lot of the crew who did it, I was told. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. I'd, I'm not surprised. I think they've probably got more people that they trusted in things like that. But it's an interesting one for them because I mean, Football Seventy Three, they do a lot of stuff over, overseas as well in America. So their timetable, they must have probably taken some time out to come and focus on this. That's interesting in itself. I know they're they're fans and the local lads as well, the ones who's commissioning it. But Netflix. Don't, I don't think they'll particularly care when it's done and ready to go because as long as this one performs well, the second one's a no-brainer for them. Yeah. So, it'll be, I mean, you saw it with the release of this one. It didn't really matter when it came out. How, how it was just sort of when you're ready. Do you think this is going to be to a non-Sunderland fan? Um, I don't know, really. Um, I, it, I think it's a more interesting documentary than the Manchester City one. That's very... Vin- I enjoyed the Man City one, but it's vanilla. It was incredible. It was it was supermarket owned brand yeah. vanilla as well. It wasn't even particularly yeah, was tasty vanilla. Well, it, the problem was the the narration, the Ben Kingsley thing. Don't get me wrong. I've I've only seen about three episodes of that. Um, the bits with Pep were electric. I love watching them. Pep Guardiola. It was, it was work just like. fan, big fan of Pep Guardiola. And the bits, the dressing room stuff and that kind of thing, fabulous. But it, it was a corporate brochure, wasn't it? Whereas mm-hmm. Sunderland's at least a bit more real, a bit more visceral. I think you can tell that Sunderland didn't necessarily sign it off. Like, I, I don't think Sunderland were ever given it to say, right, okay, well, you take everything off here. I think the Fullwell guys have literally just done I it. Think they've done what they want and they've released it. And you've got it's a different perspective. I think the Man City one was all about Pep Guardiola and the way he operates and watching this, you know, generational coaching talent coach one of the, you know, a generational squad of players. Whereas with Sunderland, it was let's have a look at this community and this city and what it means to the people who are involved on a day-to-day basis. It wasn't about Simon Grayson. It wasn't about any of the players. It was about Sunderland, the city, not, you know, like how the football club affects it. Whereas, I mean, Manchester City is not as big a part of the city as Sunderland is to Sunderland. So it was they had to pick a character and a storyline and that was, you know, the maverick Guardiola. They were, they, I mean, they would have been slightly forced down that route as well which I think yeah. is, is good as work for them but obviously they would have asked the question can we have dressing room access and obviously Grayson I, I know because I remember Coleman being asked about it They Coleman wouldn't have him in the dressing room and presumably Grayson said the same thing they were very accommodating every other aspect but not that one uh-huh. so if you haven't got that then it sort of forces you slightly to think outside the box a bit but I think they've done a very good job with that because I, 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 I think it's a a good piece of television. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, I hadn't even thought about them being in the dressing room. No, which, they're not. Yeah, which... Well, it's the first question you ask. Well. Of course, you want to be in there. You want inner sanctum, yeah. you want everything. But um, uh, most managers are not going to... I think every... Well, let, when they say everything that in. happens in the dressing room stays in the yeah. dressing room. It's, it is. I would, it's, it's I would love place. to see Jack Ross working 
the same way that they showed Pep Guardiola working because I think they do. I think they'll have a lot of similar processes, but obviously their like opinions and approaches will be different. But I just like Jack Ross tactically. I, I'm fascinated by watching the way he sets his teams up and that because he never settles. He never has like a stubborn, you know, Is way that of you playing. That Jack Ross and Pep Guardiola are <laughs> same level. <laughs> They're the same. Mindset. I, I, I yeah. like his substitutions. I like Jack Ross. I'm yeah, always yeah. interested by his substitutions. Yeah. The Magic one yesterday was interesting. I like. I can't remember the game, but I, I like when he he does. He doesn't do proper football man. Sam Allardyce, David Moyes type substitutions. If you're winning, you put another defender on. If you're losing, you put another attacker on. Um, there've been times where he's chasing a game and he's brought Oviedo on. He's brought a left back on because he's more creative. There's been times where he's been leading in a game and rather than shut it down, he's taken a defensive midfielder off and put another winger on mm-hmm. because he wants to change where the game's being played. And I, that, I'm fascinated by that stuff. He knows the ins and outs of every single player's strengths, so not just his own, but the opposition. And there's one clip of um, on the Coach's Voice YouTube channel where he's talking about St Mirren and they, uh, in their promotion season, they won a huge like top versus second game against Dundee I think it was and he just he, they won it 3-0 in the end and he was breaking down everything he did and why he did it all and talking about the different players he had and asking one guy out of position it's just the way he talked about it and just it's like if this is the guy who's handling Sunderland's game plan and he's given it the same level of attention then we're in very very safe hands his, his post-match stuff after the Barnsley game was fascinating hmm. um, because he he said we, we, he was very upfront about it he said he set the team up to be quite loose and he gave McGeady, if you remember, a slightly different role that day and absolved him of too much defensive responsibility. And he said he knew that that would leave them open. But he thought the way that Barnsley play, he, he essentially, and he won't do this every week, but on that occasion, he basically backed his team to score more than Barnsley. Mm-hmm. If he made, it, he, he made the game open and he thought his players would be better than Barnsley's. I love that. That's just like, to me, that is... What I, that's the team I want to be supporting a guy who just goes like right let's just go for it like I would have loved to have been like Blackpool fan like in Holloway season because even though they lost every game it would have been hell of fun to do you know what I mean like <laughs> scoring not, like not three or four team. not a good run right uh, I think that's pretty much it yeah there's one final question asking about why the documentary didn't focus as much on Jack Rodwell uh, but I am not at that point so I can't comment I don't well, know if you've seen the Jack never Rodwell never there was he <laughs> exactly yeah. you, you just Pick on what you pick on. I mean, they they went into it expecting one thing. They got something entirely different. Um, and I think, Chris, as you've said there, he, be, but he, he didn't do now. Exactly. So, it's just boring. Why would you focus on Jack Rodwell? He never played. He was injured and he was crap when he did play. Why would he you... He scored? Oh! Got beat like, I can't remember the game. I think it was Sheffield United. He scored. Right, uh, that, that pretty much wraps it up. <laughs> on Wednesday, we have Phil Bardsley, uh, which is done by Graham. The extra podcast host. Casino. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> Paolo de Cano as well. I'm sure you're going to mention. And next Saturday, we are recording on Saturday because the university is closed. So we are having to move our recording date to after the game. And we are doing that from... The King's Arms in, in Deptford. No, it's not in Deptford. It's in... It's near Deptford. They know what I mean if I say Deptford. Yeah. <laughs> the one that's before the salt grass. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Copenhagen <laughs> to watch the game and then I'm flying back over oh, to okay. the King's Arms to do <laughs> yeah. the podcast. Do you get that really fast plane as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, got, oh, I actually yeah. get a tunnel. Uh-huh. Uh, a tunnel? Yeah. A tunnel wouldn't be as quick, really. Parasite. <laughs> People who uh, watch the game from Denmark like me will know what I mean when I say I get a tunnel. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Any bears in there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, yeah, we'll record on Saturday. I presume that'll be released on Sunday morning. Um, <laughs> see who gets 
the most drunk. Actually, I won't be drinking because I've got the call. We should invite Charlie Meffin to the, uh, the podcast next week, shouldn't we? Sit with us in the King's Arms. Probably the game. <laughs> so thanks, uh, Simon, for coming on. And Cheers, always a pleasure, boys. Yeah, yeah, and we'll catch you on the half six news. Six o'clock, half six? What six to you? half six. You're six it's probably half about six. 20 Jeff past. Brown's half six. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's all the same. I mean, you do the same thing, don't you? So. <laughs> Um, you actually you clash with the clash with the Simpsons on Channel Four. It's a, it's a tough battle. Yeah. Do, does everyone in your family watch you? No, no. They're watching the Simpsons on Channel Four, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I've I've got two daughters and they couldn't be less interested in in, in watching telly on television. Really, really? Be. are they interested yeah. in football? Um, they're not not interested in it, but they're mm. not massively interested. Fair enough. Mm, fair enough. It's funny enough. Only my brother listens to this podcast. <laughs> not nobody else does. My dad says he does, but I have no idea if he does. He never asks me about it. He goes, oh, how the podcast going? I was like, oh, it's good. Oh, I'll listen to it. And then he never like has any follow-up questions. It's like, was there nothing that you wanted to query God, or anything I said Chris that you were really happy with? shit on the podcast. <laughs> God, I wish they wouldn't have him on. <laughs> Collective sigh on Twitter when people hear see my name on the tweet. Sorry, boys. If you could see me now Hope that I'm making you proud. Yeah, so shipyards, belay port. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.